0: Deviation from the norm will be punished until it can be exploited. You are listening to the Quibbler Advent Calendar, the podcast for red-nosed reindeers.
1: I'm Heather Price Wright.
0: And I'm Alex Dallenberg.
1: It is still December 2020, and therefore we are still doing weird Christmas episodes. Hope you enjoyed The Grinch, which was the first one we put out. Whether or not you enjoyed it, we're making a new one. So uh, (laughs) listen, if you're in the mood, what did we watch this week?
0: We watched the 1960s Rankin and Bass Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer stop-motion animation Christmas special. And then we were going to watch this anyway, but as a much-needed palate cleanser, we immediately watched a Charlie Brown Christmas.
1: Yeah, spoiler alert, that Rudolph one is terrible.
0: This was the 60s, the mid-60s, though. A, I don't want to say murderer's row because it's not very Christmassy. A merrymaker's row of Christmas specials, like 64, 65, 66. It was like, I forget the exact order, but I think it was Rudolph, Charlie Brown, and then How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And we just, as far as I know, stopped making Christmas specials. I know that's not true. I know there have been other Christmas specials that are beloved. But to me, growing up, those were always the big three.
1: I had never seen Rudolph. I had seen scenes from it.
0: You'd almost certainly seen parodies of it, right?
1: I don't know. I had a vague awareness. I feel
0: like... Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, there's probably at least, like, eight robot chicken, like, segments. Again, I'm, like, dating myself about, like, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer stop motion, right?
1: This is pretty far outside of my... Yeah, I I mean, I I knew these existed. I have certainly seen the images. I've seen pieces of the animation, but... Uh, have I ever watched it through? No, and frankly, I'm glad, and I <laughs> I shan't ever again. I maybe I am making enemies here, but uh, I genuinely hated it.
0: <laughs> well, I had uh, anyway, almost
1: no fun
0: because things are upside down and we're away from our usual like format. I will warn everyone that this week's podcast will contain spoilers for the Rankin and Bass Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Spoiler alert he guides the sleigh to victory uh and spoilers for a charlie brown christmas and other christmas properties probably harry potter probably the bible um which is a joke we made last week but i still think the concept of bible spoilers is funny
1: to quote 30 rock recycle everything yeah even jokes
0: everything's a remix even the quiddler podcast is a remix of its own self uh, that's a whale a great,
1: is in trouble. That
0: is a great 30 Rock reference. Also, there will be cursing.
1: Fuck yeah, there will.
0: Fuck yes, there will be cursing in this podcast. And we're going to do the
1: adult themes on the fly again. Yeah, because we, we didn't prepare. We
0: haven't prepped for the Christmas episodes at all. Because, like, these are just stocking stuffers of content in our mind. But, like... As everything we do, we start out thinking that it'll be like a teensy stocking stuffer and then it just becomes like a full thing. Like the movie minis, we're like, we're going to make 20 minute episodes about the movies. Nope. We talk about them for an hour They're always like an hour and 20 minutes long. (laughs)
1: Okay. So this week's adult themes are...
0: Assembly lines.
1: Oh my God. I was about to say factories. Wow.
0: Taylorism. That goes with assembly lines.
1: Taylorism is a really good one. Um, mid-century psychiatry.
0: Oh yes.
1: Which is like its own kettle of fish. <laughs> um, consumerism, again. Yeah,
0: in general, yeah. Fake Christmas trees. I guess it feels weird to say fake. No, they're- Like, a Christmas tree is a Christmas tree, right? If you say something's a Christmas tree, it is. But anyway.
1: That's too kind-spirited. Aluminum is... <laughs> Christmas trees, that's are
0: not Christmas trees. And, Pretty uh- Pretty
1: overt Christianity.
0: Is an adult theme.
1: I mean, it shows up.
0: Yeah, all right. I would say Charlie
1: Brown Christmas of the
0: proselytizing, proselytizing. That's an adult theme of
1: the secular-ish Christmas specials. Charlie Brown is by far the most sacred.
0: Well, I I have thoughts about this, so we will get to it.
1: Okay, but right. I mean, it is. It's very. Uh, It's explicitly Christian in a way that. I mean, like, there's no conceivable reference to like the birth of the Christ child in the like monstrosity that is Rudolph.
0: No, they live outside of space and time in like a hellscape beyond like the gates of night.
1: It is a dystopian, <laughs> actually. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer takes place in a dystopian Christmas universe. Is
0: that enough adult themes that we hit it all? I don't know. Usually we do five, but I've lost count.
1: It's all pretty adult.
0: Yeah. Uh, I found animal Rudolph. husbandry, there, that's an adult theme. I found Rudolph husbandry. scary.
1: Okay, right. why don't we summarize Rudolph's so first? So we're going to
0: start with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, which is what we watch first. And so, in the first of this week's Christmas specials, uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, we're introduced to, well first we meet Sam the Snowman, why his name Sam? I don't know, he's voiced by Burl Ives, he's like waltzing along, actually no, the first thing I didn't even remember this from watching this as a kid, there's like spinning newspapers talking about like the great snowstorm and they're like from all different cities, it seems that there was like a Noah's Ark style biblical flood, but like a snowstorm across the entire world uh, like sometime in the 1960s I had completely forgotten about this aspect of this, like, weird live action lead into Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. So anyway, we learn about this cataclysmic snowstorm that starts out first. I don't—maybe it's a metaphor to the Cold War. I don't know. Then we meet Sam the Snowman, who's introducing us to the North Pole, or as he likes to call it, Christmas Town. which at first I was like, wait. He says, as I like to call it, Christmastown, but then later, the North Pole is repeatedly referred to as Christmastown. So is it Christmastown, or is this just a goofy name that Sam the Snowman has given it? Also, who is Sam the Snowman? What relation does he have to these stories? He just seems to be this kooky snowman observer who... Like, kind of lives outside the confines of Christmas Town, but has a lot of strong opinions. He also has an umbrella that he puts up to guard himself from bad news. Like, whenever anything spooky happens, he puts up an umbrella and he's like, Ooh, I can't watch. Even though an umbrella doesn't defend you from snow, like, how much does it rain at the North Pole? Right? I guess an umbrella could protect you from snow. Would you use an umbrella for, like, snow protection? Can snows—can— can umbrellas be used as protection against snow? Like, have you ever seen someone in a snowstorm with yeah. an umbrella? I guess you could.
1: Of course you could. I don't...
0: Is it typical? I'm from the desert. I'm still, like, figuring out snow, even though I've been in New York for, like, the last eight years. When but- it is
1: snowing outside, I do not think that generally you see people with umbrellas up. Unless so- it's either really wet snow or, like, what we have come to call snane <laughs> which is also called wintry mix that's the the euphemism that the weather app uses is wintry mix
0: wintry mix is my least favorite mix
1: umbrellas like hardly work for rain
0: so anyway this fucking snowman sam the snowman he's been designated the narrator he has got he's got a holly jolly voice he's Lives. we know we're gonna get like a nice ballad out of him at some point He's introducing us to, like...
1: I gotta move you along.
0: He's introducing us to the fucking political economy of the North Pole. He's like, here's the Christmas tree forest. And, you know, things were pretty bad, like, a couple Christmases ago when it got snowy as fuck. But now things are running, like, smoothly, which I appreciate. And he, like, shows a stopwatch to show us, like, how fucking efficient he is. Because everything in the North Pole is, like, geared around, like, maximum productivity, uh, at least in this Christmas universe, and then he shows us the castle that Santa Claus lives yeah, in. Santa, Santa lives, lives, in, lives a in a castle, fucking like castle with like battlements. It's like a full-on fortification. And he tells us about. He's like, yeah, I do got to move along. Basically, he's like, I'm gonna unfurl the story of Rudolph the Red nosed Reindeer to you, the dude that got us through the like fucked up super snowy Christmas. Uh, That you saw in the swirling newspapers. And then, you know, he sings a couple bars from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. um. Nobody
1: ever sings the song straight through in this special, which is infuriating. Yeah, that
0: actually is weird. They don't ever actually just sing the song. what the fuck? Like, eventually you'd think you'd hear the whole thing. You don't. No, he just sings snatches of it. I guess because we're all familiar. We all recall the most famous reindeer of all. Anyway... But the whole story says began a few Christmases back, and so we meet Donner, the reindeer, and his wife, who literally is unnamed.
1: Yeah. A theme that we can pull from Christmas movies is uh, unnamed wives and love interests who don't talk.
0: Yeah, the fact that she's not dead is amazing to me, because, you know, Rudolph is primed to have perfect dead mom.
1: Oh, Dead mom syndrome. Actually, there's a dead mom in the Christmas Prince trilogy. Oh, my God. Despite the fact that dad in Christmas Prince eats, like, exclusively diner food and seems like a prime candidate for a heart attack or stroke.
0: And his name's Rudy. So in my headcanon, the Christmas Prince dad is Rudy Giuliani. He's like, you know, I got this weird dad. He used to be mayor of New York. Now he's, like, a conspiracy theorist. He, like, dyes his hair hair with shoe
1: polish. (laughs) Did you hear, did he fart on air recently? Uh, I don't,
0: I mean, I, think I wouldn't he be surprised. Did. I think he
1: did a big fart.
0: What are you going to do? Uh, okay,
1: well, I we're can't... actually not going to do The Christmas Prince. That's when, that's a bridge too far, even for us. <laughs> Alex and I watched the first 20 minutes of Royal Baby, and it's just, it was too boring, among other things. Yeah. They're they're sort of surrealist, but also really dull. I personally, I like janky... I'm a Christmas Switch um, <laughs> fan. I'm, I stand, um, not Selena Gomez. What's her name? Oh my God. The one that looks like Selena Gomez, but she's in a high school musical. Alex knows no celebrities.
0: I'm so sorry.
1: Fuck, what's her name? You know, Selena Gomez, but high school musical. Anyway, so the one where she switches with her non related. Like Queen.
0: The only thing I know about Christmas Switch is that the sequel is called like Christmas Switch Two. Switched Switched again, again. and there's three, which I find hilarious. There's
1: three Gabriellas in that one. Fuck! What is that actress's name? You know what?
0: Tweeted us. Just no. Just please do not.
1: No, don't tell me. I'm just just gonna live in 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 uncertainty. Just
0: learn to live in mystery. Um, I'm not
1: gonna Google it right now.
0: One a great description I read of like basically prehistoric man like living like neanderthals and homo sapiens is that they did not live in the absence of knowledge they lived in the presence of mystery
1: ooh
0: well which was something i liked
1: ladies and gentlemen do not fucking tweet at me uh, if I want to look up this woman's name, obviously I can, but I shall live in the presence of mystery <laughs> when it comes to who plays that girl in High School Musical that looks like Selena Gomez.
0: So anyway, Donner the reindeer who can speak, all the reindeer know how to speak English to Santa Uh, so there's this race of super intelligent reindeer, they all live in caves, which I don't think is a thing that biologically normal reindeer do, but these are special magic reindeer that can fly and probably travel at speeds faster than light in order to deliver presents feasibly all over the world in a single night. So, uh, Donner and Donner's wife, I, is it his wife? Do the reindeer Alice, get married? Move it along. I know, no. but like, I just have a uh-uh, lot of uh-uh, like questions uh-uh. about the got world it. building. No, you okay, ha- we
1: haven't even met Rudolph. They've
0: given birth to a tiny reindeer that they, for reasons unknown, have decided to name Rudolph.
1: What do you mean for reasons unknown? Well, for the same all their reason- names
0: are like Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Donner, Blitzen. Like Rudolph seems really like. Let's give him this, this like is a bad German take. fucking name uh
1: blitzen is german sounding uh, so it's donner these are bad takes
0: all right fine i'm allowed take that out (laughs) mostly this is this is too long i will not take this out Uh, okay madam (laughs) rudolph is like perfect and lovely except he has a shiny nose it's not even just a shiny nose It is like a literal. It's not like a light bulb. It's a literal light bulb. This Rudolph, this reindeer was born with a light bulb on his face. He looks like a freaking Pokemon. Like your Pokedex would be like Rudolph has a shiny nose that allows him to, like, see through, like, deep mists. It also, like, makes a kind of upsetting sound in Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. So Donner is like, what the fuck this won't do? Like, he'll never make Santa's team. Which, like,. If you knew nothing else about this, the fact that this would be a problem to Santa Claus just unnerves me. But then Santa himself shows up. He's like, oh, let's see the little tyke. And Santa's like, oh no, fuck, this won't do. You better clear this the fuck up, Donner. So that's no good. Uh, Time passes. Uh, The reindeer go to school. It's like, it's not, this is like four months later, it's April. The reindeer are all going to school. They're gonna take part in something called the Reindeer Games because obviously that's a lyric in the song. Rudolph meets some other young bucks. They, there's a buck named like Fireball. He's like, "Hey, be my friend." Also, his dad has made him wear like some kind of weird cap on his nose to hide his uh, what's referred to as a quote nonconformity unquote. And so Rudolph's, like, voice sounds kind of weird because he's wearing, like, nose plugs, basically. He meets this other reindeer named Fireball who's like, hey, check out these, like, does. They're, like, pretty fucking hot, right? And Rudolph's like, I'm six months old, dude. I don't know when reindeer reach sexual maturity, but this still seems, like, pretty early. But all the does are, like, meant to be kind of, like, I don't know. They're, like, kind of depicted as, like, weirdly sexual, right? Yeah. Like... He meets this one doe named Clarice, who's got like domey eyes. <laughs> you know, she has long- have been storing that yeah. <laughs> joke. She's got like long lashes. She's got kind of a come hither like affect. She's like, oh, like hey, like hey Rudolph. Uh, it's hard to describe. Um, also their coach for the reindeer games is Comet, who's obviously a member of Santa's team. If you've ever heard the poem, and he's like. I'm gonna give them flying lessons at one point clarice is like i think you're kind of cute rudolph so he takes off he manages to like fly a little which is like amazing for a first time out as a reindeer at some point his weird fake nose comes off and all the root re- rain re- and all the reindeer are like oh shit oh fuck like what like get away from me like don't touch me they're all like terrified of rudolph santa like drops in and is like oh that sucks he would have been a great reindeer but we can't have this shiny nose bullshit here in, like, Santa Kingdom, here in Christmastown. So, Rudolph is, like, totally shamed. Meanwhile, there's this side plot with this elf named Hermie. He's, like, on the Christmas assembly line, but he doesn't really want to be a toy maker. He wants to be a dentist. He's got this, like, really intense boss with, like, a goatee. Also, Hermie is the only one that has hair on his head. Yeah, which is
1: how you know that he's a rebel. Like, he's an outcast.
0: Every other elf is profoundly bald, and I can't decide if that's... Actually, clearly, it's because... They all shave their heads. They're in this weird, like... It's a cult. Santa monastery. Yeah, they Hermie in is the cult. only one who's allowed his hair to grow out. I think the foremen are allowed to have facial hair because he's got this douchebag foreman who's like, fuck you, Hermie. Like, you'll never be... Like, what the fuck is a dentist? The f- weird foreman who I don't know if he's ever named... I don't know if he's ever named. is like, fuck off. There's no such thing as dentists here. We're all toy makers. Hermie sings a shitty song about how he's a misfit. And uh, fun fact all the songs in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, The Rankin Baths, are by the same person, Johnny Marks, who wrote the original Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And let me tell you, Johnny, I'm sorry. I know you're probably dead now. Uh, no, that's too harsh.
1: No, he's a one-hit wonder. He's a
0: one-hit wonder. They're all like, terrible. The other songs, the other songs are, songs are, quite are terrible.
1: absolutely like, unlistenably he Hermes sings
0: the song and he's like, Why am I such a misfit? I am not such a dipshit or something like that. I,
1: it's almost it's literally like the that. lyrics. I
0: think it's a nit. I think it's nitwit, not dipshit. Dipshit's but
1: better. Dipshit <laughs> is better. Much
0: more memorable. So Hermes is like, "Fuck this! I'm not like seen as a person. I'm bailing." He climbs out the window to like run off into the howling wilderness. I guess to go learn to be a dentist, but maybe also to die. It's very unclear. At some point, Rudolph being shamed and his dad being like, ugh, I'm like ashamed that you're my son. Rudolph also flees. Rudolph and Hermie at some point meet up. They decide to head off into the fucking wilds of the North Pole, where also, but, 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 the motherfucking abominable snowman waits for them. And there's a couple, there's only one salient fact about the abominable snowman, and that's that I guess he hates Christmas.
1: Which, like you and me both, bud.
0: I mean, if you knew this Santa Claus, you'd hate Christmas too. Yeah,
1: wait, have we talked about what a tyrant Santa is yet?
0: Have you described that? Also, there's this whole, I've said that, like, Santa is, like, weirdly opposed to Rudolph having a red nose, which, like, that's not very charitable. He's like, oh, I don't know about this. Like, you better get this shit under control, Donner. But then also, the weird elf foreman organizes this concert for Santa with all the elves, and he has them, like, sing to Santa. And Santa's just, like, sitting there. He's, like, looking at his watch. He's, like, ignoring them. while they all give this, like, concert? And also it's, like, another fucking shitty song. It's like, we are Santa's elves we all live in hell it's like something i don't i all i remember is the first line which is we are santa's elves uh and santa's like
1: parody version your mean parody versions are significantly better (laughs) catchier more clever and and like almost like honestly better rhyming like even your slant rhymes are better also
0: clarice which i just keep thinking of silence of the lambs how
1: can you not
0: Clarice also sings Rudolph some song about, like, how, like, shit will be fine tomorrow, Rudolph, and, like, some other animals that, like, biologically don't live at the North Pole, like, come out and help sing, like, there's rabbits and stuff, also reindeer don't live at the North Pole, I think, they live above the Arctic Circle, but not, like, at the North Pole, but anyway, this is, like, outside the gates of reality. So Hermie and Rudolph, like, form, like, a found family and head off into the Howling Wilds. At some point, they run into a prospector named Yukon Cornelius. He's got a team of sled dogs that are all just... They're not really sled dogs. They're all just, like, weird mutts. He's got, like, a poodle. He's got, like, a basset hound. It's actually pretty cute.
1: He has a, um, a dachshund.
0: Yeah, and... The only thing that's not cute is that he whips them to get them to, like, drag his sleigh. But half the time, like, he's pulling the sleigh, so I think it's, like, a team effort in a way. Uh, Yukon Cornelius, he's looking for silver and gold, but he hasn't found them yet. At some point, Burl Ives sings a song called Silver and Gold, which you think is going to be a song about how silver and gold, like, aren't all that matter. Because he starts out being like, oh, silver and gold, it's like the... There's only intrinsic value of, like, what we attach to it. But then he's like, I fucking love silver and gold on a tr- Christmas tree. On a Christmas tree. So silver and gold are, like, actually the most important substances on Earth. So that's the kind of messages kids were getting in the mid-60s. Then Vietnam happened and America declined. I don't know. Silver and gold. It's, like, it's that fine-sounding song. Anytime no, it's Burl, boring. Anytime Burl Live sing, it's like, okay.
1: Like, I it's can a nice voice, but it's, like, you know? silver and gold. Silver and gold.
0: Kind no other gold. lyrics are yeah, interesting silver here. Silver and gold. Yeah, it's boring. Are convertible to currency. I fuck. That was not a winner. No. Anyway, they are they're on like their own personal Odyssey. At some point the abominable snowman attacks them but they escape on an iceberg they wash up on the shores of buh i realized in the last episode i didn't use any buh motherfucking which is a fan favorite so i'm gonna over index on it this time they wash up on the shores of buh the motherfucking island of misfit toys which is where toys that children have rejected or didn't love end up it's ruled over by a lion with wings named Moon Racer. Moon Racer, who I originally thought, we both thought when we watched it last night, was named Moon Racer. Either name is just off the rocker, like the people who wrote this were on acid.
1: I think that's probably true.
0: <laughs> Which I kind of approve of. Is a
1: lion with wings, that's a griffin, right? He's a griffin.
0: Yeah. No, but I think you also have like hawk. God, head. we should fucking know this as Harry Potter podcast. No, but there's no
1: griffins in Harry Potter. There's, but there's hippogriffs. Gryffindor. Yeah, but Gryffindor isn't a griffin. But it's his
0: lion like, but they're like What are you
1: talking about? The
0: symbol of Gryffindor is the griffin, though. It's like the, no, lion, it's the lion with the
1: No, it's just a lion.
0: I don't remember what a griffin no, is. No, because remember
1: she makes a lion head. You're Luna right. does.
0: But is a griffin a lion with like eagle claws or something like that though?
1: Is a hippogriff just a griffin? I don't
0: I don't know we're messing we're let's live in the presence of mystery and continue anyway moonraiser i think it's
1: a lion with wings and maybe a maybe a falcon's head
0: there's definitely bird claws involved
1: okay anyway
0: moonraiser runs this like rump kingdom in the north pole uh he gathers all the misfit toys that like people reject and they all live in this like weird refugee camp
1: yeah. Uh, Moonraiser, his name is Moonracer, but we're going to keep calling him Moonraiser.
0: Moonraiser is a much better name.
1: Also, Moonraiser is a, he's a benevolent king. I thought yeah. there was going to be something fucked up about his rule, but no, he's like, they need somewhere to go. Kids hate them, <laughs> which is like a major bummer. But he's like, until we can find children that want toys that are like in some way like fundamentally broken.
0: Also, we I want to say these toys are fine.
1: Well, mostly they're fine. The The train with square wheels does suck. Okay.
0: That doesn't go. But there's like a elephant with like pink spots and it's like, you're just like a heffalump, bro. Aw,
1: heffalumps. Actually, heffalumps are nightmare creatures, so. Yeah,
0: but you can get into that. There's if you're a, like a dark kid, if you're kind of.
1: Like Sid in. Um, yeah. Toy Story. Toy Story. God, I was so scared of Sid. <laughs> I had to leave the theater. I thought Sid was so scary. <laughs>
0: Okay, so there's some of that, but you know, there's like a cowboy riding like a flamingo.
1: Oh, an ostrich.
0: An ostrich.
1: And there is a Charlie in the Box, which is just a Jack in the Box, but its name is different. But like the kid doesn't know your name. And
0: he's kind of like, it seems like he's sort of the deputy mayor or whatever. He's sort of
1: like on Oz, he's the the door man. Yes. You know that character? The doorkeeper on Oz? (sighs) In Oz?
0: Like wait, no, it's Wizard like, of Oz or uh, yeah. like Oz. No,
1: like the Wizard of Oz. Oh,
0: that's been a. So Are you long. kidding? When it's they get to the so gates of long. Oz, the guy that's like, "Oh, that's a horse of a different color."
1: Yeah, that's who Charlie in the Box reminds me of.
0: Also, all the reindeer have these weird mid-Atlantic accents. Where they like, do. Ah, oh, Rudolph, you need to learn how to be like ah, a child. They, do. Yeah, <laughs> they, yeah, they yeah, sound Oz, a little bit know? like
1: Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> Oh my God, Alex! Can we get to the end of? The- I'm so bored.
0: <laughs> so they they like have I was this. I bored
1: in this special.
0: They have this sojourn on the island of Misfit Toys. Moonraiser allows them. They sing a song. Them... Yeah, there's a song about Misfit Toys that's elegiac. Uh, Moonraiser lets them stay on the island for one night. But Rudolph is like, I can't endanger my friends anymore. Oh, he almost got them killed because the abominable snowman was drawn to his shiny red nose. So Rudolph sneaks out in the night and, like, he goes off on his own fucking voyage of language and meaning throughout the North Pole, like, by himself and eventually grows up. And this is where the time scale gets, like, really confusing to me because he grows up, he becomes, like, an adult reindeer. I don't know how long it takes for literal reindeer to become, like, grown-ups, but it seems like this happens over the span of a year. He grows, like, horns and shit, and he learns... Um,
1: excuse me, antlers. Antlers, Antlers Sorry. and horns You're are right. very They're different. are very different.
0: I fucked that up. He grows antlers. He, like, occasionally meets other friends. Like, he makes friends with some polar bear cubs, but then always the polar bear mom is like, what the fuck? You've got, like, a shiny nose. Like, get the hell out of here. And at some point, even though he's, like, basically feral, he realizes that you can't run away from your problems anymore, and he heads back to Christmastown slash the North Pole. He finds his cave abandoned because Donner went to look for him, and then also his mom and Clarice went to look for him. Santa shows up, and he's like, yeah, sucks that your parents might be dead because... That means I might not have a full team for the North Pole for my sleigh run.
1: Santa is the villain. Santa's
0: a fucking sociopath. Yeah,
1: Santa's like unequivocally the villain of. Like he's not
0: like, oh, sorry, your parents like are missing and might be dead. He He also has clearly not
1: looked for any of these.
0: Santa fully centers it on himself. He's like, man, this really sucks for me. So Rudolph goes to look for them. They're in the cave of the Abominable Snowman. Eventually, they rescue them because his friends, Yukon Cornelius and Hermie, show up. Hermie removes all of the Abominable Snowman's teeth.
1: I don't think that's what dentists do. Which, like, yeah. (laughs) I just, Hermie, I don't know that that's the profession. It's like,
0: yeah, Hermie.
1: (laughs) No, he's like. Hermie
0: just wants to take people's teeth out. Yeah, no,
1: something's wrong with Hermie.
0: Uh, They head back to the North Pole, but there's this the like worldwide climate change blizzard is like happening. And Santa's like, oh, shit, we're going to have to cancel Christmas. But then he gets an idea and he's like, oh, fuck. Rudolph is bioluminescent. Yeah. He creates his own light. And then he says, Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? And then everyone embraces Rudolph. He's a hero. At some point, Yukon Cornelius shows up with the abominable snowman. Ugh, I miss that whole thing. Yukon and the snowman like fell off a cliff, like struggling together. It's kind of like
1: it's assumed they die.
0: Yeah, you think they died, uh, but then he shows up and he's like, "I have tamed this beast," and also he's useful as well. Snowman is like really good at putting like stars on Christmas trees, Because and he's tall. Uh, also Hermie reconciles with the foreman and he's like you can set up like a dentist shop after christmas and he's like "Mm, you've got shitty teeth i'm gonna book an appointment for you right quick so anyway rudolph leads santa's team through the storm santa also agrees to pick up the toys at the island of misfit toys and distribute them to girls and boys all over the world And then Burl Ives sings a bar from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, but not the whole song. And that's what happens in one of this week's Christmas specials.
1: You missed this whole upsetting side plot where... Apparently Santa's weight fluctuates wildly oh year over God. year. I that. Mrs. Claus is in this like desperate race to fatten Santa up before Christmas because I guess Santa loses all the Christmas weight immediately.
0: Oh my because God. in reality,
1: Santa is like a Type A triathlete kind of a fella. Like I
0: mean, that is the full vibe. Like, he Santa gives up.
1: is not jolly.
0: Santa's in full on Christian Bale. I will gain a hundred pounds for this role.
1: Right, and then but I'll then do the machinist. Will,
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: like, so Santa has a sort of spousal-enabled eating disorder. And um, even, because, like, this friggin' holiday special even manages to have, like, low-key anti-fatness in it.
0: Like, Yeah. He's like, oh, it's okay when Santa's fat at Christmas Day, but the rest of the year, he's on the fucking Atkins diet or whatever.
1: That is a dated reference. Okay, but you
0: know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't watched Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in a long time, and I remember truly disliking it and I was like, maybe I'll find something charming in it, maybe it's like better than I expected because it is, it's the longest running Christmas special. But no, this is a nightmare. Like top to bottom, to which like we don't even really have to super discuss it that much because we like to discuss things that we
1: at least a little can bit enjoy. Find enjoyed.
0: things to enjoy. About I didn't it. Can like you find anything to enjoy in this.
1: Actually, no, I can. not I thought the animation was extremely charming.
0: Okay, I found
1: going. it to be visually marvelous. I love. Stop motion animation, and it's not claymation, which is really fun because you have the like textured reindeer. There's like
0: yeah, the reindeer like Like, made out of felt. um, The
1: abominable snowman is like fuzzy. Like you have, I, I find the animation to be marvelous, and I actually think the voice acting is also pretty fun. Like Rudolph is voiced really cutely. I think. Yosemite Clementine. What the fuck is his name?
0: Yukon Cornelius. (laughs) Yukon Yosemite Yosemite Clementine. Clementine. I mean, in our fiction book, yes.
1: I think Yukon Cornelius is the only character that I have any genuine sympathy for. Only because he clearly has like just zany North Pole snow madness.
0: He's also here to make friends. Yeah,
1: yeah. I love a character that's here to make friends. He's just like, you guys are with me now. We're on an adventure. Here, get on my sled.
0: He even makes friends with the Abominable Snowman.
1: He does. He brings him back in their buds. Who
0: clearly inspired the Wampa in The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like, fully, aesthetically, George Lucas clearly watched this as, I don't know how old he would have been. It was 20, this is made like 15 years before Empire, so...
1: So, like as a teen,
0: like as a late teen, I yeah. think, or early twenties. Early twenties.
1: So, yes, I think the the thing I would say I unequivocally not just liked but loved is I think it's visually extremely fun. I think it's a kind of animation that I would have loved to see more like well done kind stories, of like modernized,
0: in. yeah. I guess it's, there's, like, there's Wallace and Gromit, which is and people clamation. have made amazing, like... No, Wallace
1: and Gromit, Gla- But mean, it's like,
0: still stop motion.
1: Right, right, right. But I think what I like about it is I like the combination. I love stop motion animation, period. I love Wallace and Gromit. But I like the textural elements of it hmm. a lot. Even, I mean, like, Rudolph's nose is really fun. It's just visually a really... It's fun. Um, But it's... I mean, the plot is nightmarish. Like, Santa is evil. Santa
0: is the full villain. He only cares about himself and then finally he's like, "Oh, Rudolph, you have a bright nose. We can make use of this." And then Rudolph just kind of has to accept it cuz like Santa runs this like petty dict it's not even a petty dictatorship. It's a what's the opposite of a petty dictatorship? No, it's, it's just full, an authoritarian just regime. It's a full dictatorship. He has a castle with like battlements, which I guess means he feels threatened, he forces his, like, workforce to compose, like, songs about him. But then he hates but them. But then he hates them and is like, you need to, like, fucking work on this. And that was, like, completely, like, ancillary to the process of making Christmas gifts. Santa never shows a minute of grace in this to anyone.
1: He also doesn't seem to like children at all.
0: No. Like, and We he- get
1: no indication that Santa finds any joy or pleasure in his joyful and pleasurable profession of bringing actual sort of like world peace he, and happiness to babies he
0: picks up the misfit toys but like purely as a sop to rudolph who he desperately needs well and also this is and because have... it's a bunch
1: of toys he doesn't have to make he can just drop them. <laughs> he's
0: like freebies uh this is where i have a santa fan theory sure it's rudolph the red-nosed reindeer had a very shiny nose it's written in the past tense he's dead I think Santa found his use with Rudolph from everything we knew from this, like yeah. Story, I think Rudolph and is was dead. Like, get out of here. Like the next Christmas, he no, was he like, sent
1: him to the glue factory. He was like, "Fuck this!" This re- is reindeer. some Animal Farm shit. Fuck
0: this like non-conformist what's the, reindeer. What's the
1: old horse in Animal oh, Farm? God, Boxer. Yeah, Rudolph goes the way of Boxer. Oh no. Um, I don't even think we really need to linger here any longer. This was terrible.
0: How? Why though? There is stuff to unpack here, though. This is, like, highly popular.
1: I don't... I I genuinely, for the first time in the making of this podcast, we have come across a wildly popular piece of entertainment that I find essentially no redeeming qualities in. It was boring. It was very boring. The songs were bad. Like this, whoever this guy is trafficked for his whole, because Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Johnny Re- Marks. Johnny Marks. Rudolph the Red-Nosed
0: Rudolph Reindeer. Rudolph the
1: Red-Nosed Reindeer is like the most popular Christmas carol. Yeah. Uh, like the Gene on Aut- the airwaves, yeah, right? Yeah, the
0: Gene Autry recording of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, which was written in 1949, uh, was the second most popular song in the United States until like the 1980s. It had like a 30-year stretch of dominance where it was like out charting like the Beatles.
1: But here we're parachuted into a world where Christmas is stripped of all of the things that make Christmas even a little bit good. There is it is not a joyful world,
0: right. And then there at the is end, no
1: pleasure or fun. Like you don't even have cute sort of like, Even in other kind of zany like Santa Claus world storytelling like the fucking Christmas Chronicles or whatever (laughs) you kind of have the like eye-popping wonders of like Santa's kingdom even when there's like a dark edge to it there's no cookies here like he's eating like Mrs. Claus is feeding him slop essentially. (laughs) Like, it's not even, like, eat your gingerbread, sandwich. Just the fucking, also, like,
0: bars that Regina George eats yes, in uh, Santa, Mean Girls okay. to, like, get fattened up. This is
1: very important. <laughs> this is very important because this is how you know something is a nightmare. Santa and Mrs. Claus call each other Mama and Papa.
0: Oh, my God. Which
1: is how you know you're in a dystopia. Ugh. Married adults who refer to each other as mother and father, a la Mike and Karen Pence, that also, is a full nightmare. I mean... They don't it, have any kids. It actually
0: makes more sense with the Pence's because they have children. Yeah, these but... are
1: childless elderly people who call each other mama and papa and run <laughs> like
0: basically this, a sweatshop.
1: crypto capitalist like empire of nightmares. And
0: then everyone at the end, like the, the misfits are reconciled, but only after they prove themselves worthy, like worthy of, of the of... meat. Like
1: basically they're like, we can produce. Right. Like, we can be productive to your, yeah, your factories. And it
0: kind of makes sense that, yeah, so Santa Claus, like, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is, like, the ultimate pro-capitalist fable, and it makes sense that it is, because it started its life, like, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, it's SponCon. Yeah, it It is. It's, like, original SponCon. The story was created for the Montgomery Ward department store, In, like, 1939, they made all these coloring books, and they decided to, like, take some in-house. And they—I don't know if they went to, like, a contractor or this guy was, like, on—in their, like, creative department. He was, like, in Chicago. He, like, came up with this concept because he, like, saw, like, a—he saw, like, a super thick fog, like, outside his, like, towering office building in, like, downtown Chicago. And was like, oh, a red nose could, like, cut through that. But then, you know, they sold these coloring books in their department store and then they, and then Johnny Marks did this tie-in and, like, to this day, like, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the song, like, isn't in like, the public domain. There's like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, like, LLC. I don't think LLC is, like, the exact corporate structure. But, like, there's a company that owns this fucking song. So we won't be playing that song in the clips, even under fair use in this episode. Because
1: apparently they're pretty litigious <laughs> with Rudolph. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm honestly done talking about yeah. this thing. Well, I the antidote it. to it okay.
0: is the actual critique of, like, Christmas commercialism. Which interestingly came out like a year later, and like
1: potentially sort of in conversation with Rudolph. Yeah, which is a Charlie Brown Christmas
0: by which Charles Schultz wrote the script for. It wasn't even just like he licensed Peanuts out to Lee Mendelson or whatever.
1: I mean, didn't he write a lot of the original holiday specials? I
0: think he did, but yeah. I, I'm not like Charles Schultz. I'm not. A, I'm not like a Schultzologist.
1: Okay, but I actually do believe that Charles Schultz maintained more kind of close personal control over the kind of the storytelling of the Peanuts characters for longer than a lot of similar creators. Well,
0: you can truly feel it in this special, so...
1: How about we do a thing where I summarize?
0: Yes, you should summarize it because that'll just be better for everyone, I think. So get after it.
1: In this week's second Christmas special we meet Charlie Brown and the gang. Charlie is sort of walking around moping and talking to his friend Linus and his friend sort of frenemy Lucy and his little sister Sally about how he knows that he's supposed to feel happy at Christmas time but it always depresses him because he sort of can't find it in his heart to get as excited about it as he feels like he is meant to and so basically charlie brown not basically charlie brown is literally like it's christmas time and i'm depressed and he doesn't get any christmas cards he sarcastically tells violet like (laughs) thanks so much for the christmas card you sent me violet and she's like i didn't send you a christmas card charlie brown you blockhead." that
0: part is so funny it's
1: hilarious also, he has this dog named Snoopy and Snoopy is drastically more popular than he is and really good at getting into the Christmas spirit because Snoopy loves commercialism. I don't even think that's true. I think Snoopy really likes camp and like Snoopy, Snoopy is camp.
0: He's an outlandish ice skater also. Yeah. And all the kids are like skating on this pond and Snoopy is, is doing, doing like an and, Olympic
1: like long like, program. Like Sal cows. Yeah. Um, he, like, lands the triple axel. So, Charlie Brown goes to his friend Lucy, who is a child psychiatrist. By which I mean not a psychiatrist <laughs> who sees children, but a child who is a psychiatrist. For
0: five cents, though.
1: Yeah, which is honestly, like, a really good that rate. That
0: is a great sliding scale.
1: Very affordable for other children. <laughs> and... So he gives her five cents, and first of all, she does this whole monologue about how much she loves money, which is pretty dark. And then he's like, Lucy, I'm super bummed out. It's Christmas time, and uh, nobody's able to help me feel happy about Christmas. Oh, wait, before this. This is harder than I thought. I'm sorry. Before this. <laughs> sorry for what? Um, For Constantly teasing you about not being able to get these through these summaries.
0: I thought you're. I I think you're doing great, and I feel such a load off my shoulders right now. <laughs> it's hard. Honestly.
1: So before he goes to the child psychiatrist, his sister Sally asks him to help her write a letter to Santa, and it's just a very funny bit because she writes a very professional kind of like basically the whole bit in Charlie Brown is children saying the completely inane things that grown-ups say to each other all the time, but it's hilarious when kids say them. <laughs> so Sally is like, hey, Santa, how are you and the kids? Hope all is well. Give my best to Mrs. Claus. Like, please bring me presents. Money. Um, she yeah, yeah, wants, she's like, like, money. Well, she, she makes some suggestions, and then she's like, if this is too complicated, just send cash.
0: And then she says, like, I want what's coming to me. Like, yeah. I want what I deserve.
1: So... Then he goes to Lucy, Lucy's a terrible therapist. She gives what could be decent advice. She's like why don't you get involved in something Charlie Brown? Maybe you should find something that is fulfilling and uh, use your time wisely so that you can get into the Christmas spirit. How would you like to be the director of our Christmas play? Charlie Brown is like holy shit how cool would that be? I'd be an amazing director. So cut to showing up at play practice. Linus is a shepherd he refuses to give up his blanket and he gets teased about having a blanket and they ask what he's going to do in college and he says maybe I'll make it into a sport coat and it's so funny
0: <laughs>
1: and then he turns it into kind of like a shepherd hat thing what are those you know like
0: one like of those a like turban? it's like a, a habit what is the thing you know a shepherd those wears? shepherd hats. yeah like we've all it seen looks it looks a little bit the... like a nun's
1: habit we've anyway all, we've so we've all seen
0: it in The Christmas pictures.
1: Ingenious use of Linus's blankie. So Charlie Brown has this whole rousing speech about what he as a director hopes to get out of his actors. And then he gives some preliminary direction. But Schroeder is playing the piano and everybody is dancing real hard and totally ignoring Charlie Brown. And then you get one of the greatest shots in Peanuts history. Which is the kids just like, each of them has their like one little just like back and forth dance move. (laughs) And obviously the score is the absolutely like incomparable Vince Guaraldi trio, Charlie Brown Christmas music.
0: It's number four on Rolling Stone's list of the 25 greatest Christmas albums. That's
1: number one on my list of the greatest albums period of all time. The day after Thanksgiving, the first thing I do Every year. Turn on the Charlie Brown Christmas music. Which I love love love. Also only half of it is actual Christmas songs. Like that's what's so fun about it. It's just like really. It's just like fun jazzy pianos. Anyway. So they're dancing super hard. He's like shut the fuck up. Stop playing piano. We need to do this play. And they're basically like Charlie Brown you're a terrible director. Nobody wants to listen to you. You can't do anything right. And. Then they suggest that he gets a Christmas tree because maybe that will get everybody into the Christmas spirit.
0: And yeah that's like for some reason that's like what the play needs. Yeah
1: it's gonna like solve all their problems if they have a Christmas tree and Lucy is like get a big pink aluminum one like a big flashy like faux tree. So he takes off for the Christmas tree lot. He brings Linus with him. Meanwhile Lucy is hitting on Schroeder but then she tells him that she thinks that Beethoven sucks and he gets pissed and he plays for Elise which is like again very good on the Charlie Brown Christmas album. Charlie and Linus show up to the Christmas tree lot and it's all of these huge ostentatious kind of very garish shiny Christmas trees that are made of aluminum.
0: And there's these huge spotlights.
1: And there's these giant spotlights and Charlie Brown is like ugh these are just like not my vibe I'm like I'm like a bald depressive. I'm like, this I'm is just bald like,
0: at age eight. I'm like, and I don't even have like
1: I never grew hair. Yeah. It's just it's it's just never been there. And Linus has these like kind of stoner prophet vibes and he's <laughs> so they come up and they find this indelibly perfect, teeny, janky ass, kinda of shaggy dog Christmas tree. Dude, it's, it's like, like
0: worse than that even. Like no, it's, it is
1: it's a little... It is
0: a stem it's a and stick. two, like, stemlets.
1: Yeah, with, like, a couple of needles. But when the needles fall off, it makes this really pretty tinkling sound, which is, again, one of my favorite sound effects in Charlie Brown Christmas. So Charlie's like, this tree is beautiful. It needs love. It's perfect. It's exactly what I want to take care of.
0: He's like, yeah, this will be great for our Christmas play. And Linus
1: is like, uh, this is beautiful bad even for you charlie brown no he like, doesn't he's just no like, linus is right. like no linus is like i don't think this is what lucy had in mind and charlie brown is like no it just needs a little love and linus is like okay chill fine so they take the christmas tree back unsurprisingly first of all everybody's dancing hard <laughs> like we continue to jam these kids can jam seriously and um pig pen plays the Oh, also earlier on, Pigpen made a very dirty snowman. Pigpen's so funny. How is he so dirty? What makes him so
0: dirty? It's just his lifestyle choice.
1: So he is playing the stand up bass and it's in a cloud of dust, but he's still very good at it. He comes back and everybody looks at his Christmas tree and thinks that it, ba ba ba, motherfucking, absolutely sucks. <laughs> And they hate it, and they're like, "You're garbage, Charlie Brown." Like, jump off a bridge. Nobody likes you. Literally, like, they're I mean, they really don't mean quite to him. Why say that? But they're, they're like, basically, like, yeah, it's kill like, yourself. kill yourself, Charlie Brown.
0: Yeah. And he's like, I think he's about like, that all yeah, the time. No,
1: I, uh, I want to a lot. Um, I relate to Charlie Brown. <laughs> um, so he's like fuck you guys you didn't want me to do your Christmas play anyway like everybody's just like cruel to me and they don't understand Christmas he doesn't even
0: say, he doesn't even externalize that He it's like a different he's like it's he's like, like more he uh, goes
1: I can't do anything right he goes
0: even broader than that he's like I don't understand Christmas. Like, what do you think? Like, what is this all about? Like, like,
1: clearly, I just don't get what everyone else is seeing because it doesn't. And Linus, of course.
0: He's like, what is Christmas all about? Is like, he's like, plaintive cry.
1: Yeah. And Linus, in a truly indelible and, again, explicitly religious moment, goes center stage. There's a spotlight on him and he delivers in his sort of clear, affecting childlife voice. Luke chapter 2 and lo there were shepherds watching their flocks by night and the angel appears to them and says unto you is born a savior this night who is Christ the king and uh he I mean he basically is like Christmas is about the birth of the Christian savior Charlie Brown Jesus Christ but also literal Jesus Christ so Charlie Brown hears this whole thing and he's like you know what I love this little tree and I'm gonna go decorate it myself because I think that this tree is what Christmas means to me or something. So he like takes a little tree, he abandons his friends, he goes and he puts one bauble on the Christmas tree and it bends in half and basically looks like it's dead and he's like wow I've killed it, I'm terrible, everything I touch gets ruined and he just like runs away. But meanwhile his friends all follow him and they see the tree and Linus is like it's not such a bad tree really it just needs some love. And meanwhile Snoopy has won the neighborhood (laughs) Christmas decorating contest because he has this like extremely garish decoration all over his doghouse. I love Snoopy. So they just steal all of Snoopy's home decorations. He's already
0: won. He doesn't care. He's cashed the check.
1: And they put it all over the tree. The tree looks beautiful, but not garish or crazy. It just looks really nice and festive and Christmassy. Charlie Charlie Brown comes out, and they're like, Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown. Your tree is nice. And he's like, my tree is nice. And then they all sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing.
0: And royal credits.
1: And, um Yeah. That's what happens in this week's second Christmas special. It's so nice. Everybody should watch this one.
0: Well done, Heather. Doing the recap, that was much shorter than anything I've... Ever done,
1: and you kept wanting to insert extraneous details. I'm I know, stopping me, I or telling know. me details.
0: So vote if you want Heather to do the no, recaps no, no, no. Don't vote. I don't <laughs> want to do
1: the recaps. Alex is much better. I, you all, I know he's better at these. I just thought we might want to move this one along a little.
0: No, it makes sense. Also, yeah, Charlie Brown's like three beats. So I gotta say. I was always... I don't know. Maybe not lukewarm on Charlie Brown Christmas as a kid. My favorite was always How the Grinch Stole Christmas. I think just because I liked the triumphalism of the end of it. But, I mean, from the first few frames where Linus and Charlie are just walking. And Charlie just says, like, basically out of nowhere. Like, apropos of nothing in a Christmas special. He's like... I don't remember the exact words, but he's like, I'm really depressed this Christmas. Like, burst into tears.
1: Oh, yeah. We both cried at the, in the,
0: like, in the first, second or third frame of this. Like, in the first fucking line. And then, like, obviously it gets, like, much funnier. And even Charlie Brown's, like, lament is, like, really sad, but also funny. And I was just like, holy shit, I get peanuts now. And I liked Charlie Brown a lot as a kid, but.
1: I think this is the year of Charlie Brown Christmas. Because yes, I think the most relatable character I can imagine in Christmas 2020 is a kid that's just like, I don't actually know if I'm capable of feeling good right now. And the fact that I can't feel good and I'm supposed to makes me feel double bad.
0: And he talks about it. He's like, I like doing a lot of the things.
1: Yeah, he's like, I like presents. I like trees. It's like fun to be with my family, but I still feel sad. And it is so...
0: It's so raw, and in the same like milieu as Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Yeah, where it's like if you ain't like figuring out Christmas, you ain't shit. Yeah.
1: But I'm the opposite. Charlie Brown Christmas has always been my favorite Christmas special. First of all, because I I love the music, I do, and I love the visuals. Like there are some little scenes, like when they're all dancing on the stage, that I are one of the few things that invariably makes me like swell with joy and pleasure. But I have been I think what you would probably call depressed like since I was an actual child. Like my I, my entire life has been marked with seasons of inexplicable sadness that didn't match with what was going on in my life. And to as a very young child to watch Charlie Brown I was like, "Okay, like kids are sad." And um also it's okay to be the kind of person that can't like I'm. this is a crass way of putting it but like kind of sometimes can't get it up for Christmas. Like, <laughs> But also I do want to talk about the fact that the way Charlie Brown shakes off his melancholy is by remembering that Christmas is a religious holiday. Which I don't super relate to but at the same time I think even if it isn't your religion Finding the sacred in something that has been so stripped of, like, meaning or so divorced from its original meaning is sort of beautiful. I'm not a practicing Christian anymore, and I still find that verse from Luke to be profoundly moving.
0: Because the end of it is, yeah, peace on earth. And
1: goodwill goodwill toward men.
0: toward, yeah, humans.
1: Yeah. You know the other thing that I was thinking about when we were watching it this time— so I just read this really excellent essay that was in the New Yorker, in like 2005. It's old, and um, it's one of the kind of old school New Yorker writers. It's like Adam Gopnik. It's not Tubin. I checked. <laughs> it's not <laughs> Tubin. Um, but I yeah, I think it's maybe it's Adam Gopnik. Anyway, it's one of those, these guys, you know. And he writes this great piece about his daughter, who's in this essay. Like three or four. And she has this imaginary friend named Charlie Ravioli. Who she calls Mr. Ravioli. Sometimes she just calls him Ravioli. Who is always too busy to hang out with her. And she has this like sort of childish chatter. Where she's like oh I ran into Charlie Ravioli today. He was on his way out. We grabbed lunch but then he had to hop in a cab. And it's the funniest fucking essay. And it made me think of Charlie Brown because it is this... There is nothing funnier or more poignant and depressing than children parroting the extremely banal lives of adults because it's a really... Harsh spotlight on how fucking boring and stupid grown-ups sound all the time. Like <laughs> I mean, when you I hear. I laugh
0: and it's also like no, sad at When the same you hear time, this yeah. little
1: girl be like oh I ran into Charlie Ravioli and we tried to grab a cup of coffee but he was actually just on his way out. Or I called Charlie Ravioli and I got his machine and I left him a message and then his assistant called me back. You're just like grown-ups suck. We say terrible dumb stuff to each other all day every day none of which we mean. The entire point of being a grown-up is to constantly avoid, like, the plague saying the thing that you actually mean. And when you hear kids parroting that back, it's, it's really a bummer. And I think that's what Charles Schultz does so well, is he, had the, he has these, like, these depressive, world-weary children where you're like, God, grown-ups are bummers. And I love that. I think it's so funny. Like, Lucy's psychiatric practice is a genius piece of childhood entertainment. Yes. Also, they're just, yeah, I think to go back to what I did like about Rudolph, they're just these wonderful little visual moments when they're skating. Snoopy is wonderful. The fact that Snoopy got sold to MetLife is a crime. (laughs) Because the thing about Snoopy is he's not cute. Like, he's weird and mean, yeah. Snoopy's, like, really cruel to Charlie Brown.
0: <laughs> Constantly upstaging him. Oh,
1: yeah, and he cackles at him when Charlie Brown, like, fails or loses. He Snoopy is the in the front, like, pointing and laughing.
0: The relationship between the two is so funny because Charlie Brown's just like, man, the most interesting thing about me is, like, my, my dog. fucking dog.
1: Yeah. Charlie Brown knows really acutely that... Everyone likes his dog more than they like him. Which is like a really relatable feeling. <laughs> 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 and there are just, there are all these moments like when the curly haired, the little red-headed girl is like, oh fuck, what is she, there's some weather, she like hates Christmas time because there's snow and it like takes the like natural curl out of her hair or something. And it's all these like inane grown-up conversations and like when they're put in the mouths of children, they're so funny. <laughs> because it is, I mean, it is a really useful exercise in like, God, we sound dumb and self-involved. I think that's a really useful thing that kids entertainment can do for grown-ups. Yeah. is like parrot yeah. them back, like through the mouths of babes to like parrot kind of grown-up speak back to you and you can be like, well, that was inane. I don't know why I spend all my time saying shit like this
0: yeah I think this is the Christmas special for our time.
1: The Grinch, too. right. Rudolph is not no. Throw Rudolph into Fuck the ocean Rudolph. <laughs> uh,
0: just because I don't know, we're all asking ourselves, what is everything all about?
1: Yeah, I think the experience of profound meaninglessness. In a time where there are pretty explicit societal demands to feel meaning, is a uh, it's very psychologically like battering. I
0: love the scene where they go. I mean, I lo- I mean, top to bottom, I just was filled with a new appreciation for this special. I love the scene when they go to the Christmas tree lot, and there's the garish spotlights, and it's totally empty. They live in this weird universe without like adults and the kind of alienation of that moment where they're surrounded by these like garish christmas trees and it's like cold and uh i don't know if i have much more to say about well, it he but even just... like
1: knocks on one and it's yeah. that sort of like hollow aluminum sound i will say i have spent my entire life looking for charlie brown christmas trees like And I have also spent my entire life looking for the Charlie Brown Christmas tree version of whatever thing I'm looking for, like dogs. I love (laughs) sinfully ugly dogs. Like, I, and not in ironic ways. Like, dogs that look like monster gremlins, like, bring them all to me. Like, bring, I want, (laughs) I want them to live in my house with me. Like you tell me this dog is really itchy and it needs a medicated bath twice a day. And I'm like, that's my dog. Yeah. But I, my whole life, we have had Christmas trees that are the wrong shape and size for the room that we've bought them for. My dad does this too. He buys absurd trees that never fit. And we just bought our Christmas tree today and it's it's kind of shaggy.
0: <laughs> it's nice. It's really nice. No, it's
1: really nice. But the idea that seeking aesthetic perfection is kind of soulless really for me like really resonates
0: an amazing thing about this Christmas special uh, that I find I think I found really jarring even like watching it in school because occasionally you know the teacher would just it's like December fucking 18th or whatever turns out our teachers were hungover. you know you want to check out that's a weird thing
1: that I have learned (laughs) as a grown up is like oh, my teachers were hung over a so lot of the like, times when they played videos so they're for me. Like,
0: Fuck it, Charlie Brown Christmas. Which this is not shade to those teachers. No, this no,
1: no, no, no. This is just like wow, teachers you know? are people.
0: <laughs> and it is the over religiosity of that scene, and I've been thinking about it a lot. Well, it's interesting. We live in this time where you know you, we live in a very secular society. It's. Kind of discombobulating, if you ever stop to think about it for a second, that you go into, like, Target, and the rest of the year, like, they're not playing, like, the old weathered cross or whatever (laughs) during, like...
1: (laughs) But then you're, like, you go in and they're playing, like, oh, come on, you faithful. faithful." it's like,
0: this is about, like... Jesus. Something, you know, something deeply rooted in faith. And I'm just, like, it's interesting to me that one of the great Christmas specials, it is really earnestly, on its sleeve, religious.
1: What I like about it is it's not proselytizing. No. It is not aggressively, like, if this is something you don't believe, you're a bad person. But it is honestly a helpful sort of, like, collection of our thoughts. Like, it's a helpful moment to be, like, we have all been, like, whipped into a frenzy of like hyper rampant consumerism and sort of enforced emotional sameness and for a lot of people not for everyone but I you know I think about I think about someone like your grandmother I think about people who I know or have known and and love for whom Christmas time is a is a time of sort of quiet contemplative joy and faith and even though i don't currently in my life share that faith i find there to be a certain kind of like i don't know like moral and ideological like consistency there
0: i found this moment really profoundly moving and i wrestled with it for a while because i think for a while maybe in my like teens early 20s i was like was under the impression that like i don't know charlie brown was like overly religious the charlie brown christmas was like overly religious or something like something like something like that maybe not all the way like i don't think i was ever like that cynical about it but i could see how like maybe you'd roll your eyes at that part but charlie brown he just asked what's christmas what is christmas all about and linus just like without any judgments just, like, lays it out straight. Like, he gives a very, just... He's reading the scripture, but it's a very deadpan answer. He's like, do you want to know why we celebrate Christmas? Like, this is the literal, like, origin of it. And just laying out the scripture, it strips everything away in this really lovely way to where you get to the beating heart of the Christmas story, which even people who really identify as... Like, incredibly devout people, like, often... Lose. ...miss, you know? Like, the Christmas story is about, like, even if you don't believe it's literally true, it's about, yeah, hope in the darkness, as we've discussed. It's about the least of us. And they're, like, deserving of care and attention. And... I don't know, the ways like grace can come from, sorry, unexpected places. Yeah,
1: I don't think either of us expected to be as emotional about this as we are.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about, um, I was thinking about my grandmother while we were preparing for this episode Because she and my mom and my sisters are all really Christmas people. And this is something we'd watch every year. And so my grandmother, her name was Janice Fisher. She passed on April 1st in 2020 during the kind of early weeks of the pandemic and it's impossible to say why or how uh but especially during that particular time like it wasn't an easy passage uh and it's kind of one of the reasons i just wasn't really in the mood to like make this podcast or do anything kind of like outside of like work I don't know if she died of coronavirus or just some other respiratory thing. Or, it wouldn't test her.: I mean, frankly, like I don't know if she could have survived this whole like year. Uh, but I've been wanting to post something like recently, because it was her birthday in November, but I just couldn't bring myself, because I hadn't posted anything about it publicly on Facebook or Instagram. And I just couldn't bring myself to, like, do something like that. I I don't know what was stopping me. Part of me was like, I don't want to make more, like, content out of, like, this person's life for, like, Mark Zuckerberg or Jack Dorsey. And some of it is just, like, private. So I was kind of thinking with, like, I don't... The Charlie Brown Christmas, I'm kind of rambling a bit here, but... This feels like the appropriate place to do it. And on this particular, like, episode about A Charlie Brown Christmas, which is something we all watched together and enjoyed, because, like, to me, podcasting is, like, the last kind of bastion of, like, the good web. And this is a community here that I feel really (laughs) positive about and grateful for. So I was thinking about it while I was watching the special for many reasons but partly because I kind of see her personality a bit somewhat in the Charlie Brown character but also in the Linus character. She struggled with like a darkness her whole life. Her father died when she was very young in a house fire. Her brother died shortly after under tragic circumstances. But she also kept she also kept this core a very quiet but sincere faith. I think, and I'm not like a practicing Christian, but I think of anyone I've known, she led the most Christian life. And I know she prayed every day for all of us, and she took people the way they were, and she answered questions about her faith. She wasn't an ostentatious person, but in this very in this very linus like way, uh, I remember I had this phase as a kid where I was like, oh my God, like because my my parents weren't that religious and I remember feeling this like guilt for like a weird period where I was like, maybe in eighth grade where I like really wanted to be like very religious and like reading the bible or thinking because i was also kind of like into the like pageantry of it all like i briefly wanted to be like a preacher not out of any like deep like spiritual conviction but just because i liked theatricality um and like being into kind of the like pomp and circumstance of it and also just i don't know whatever as a kid you have like guilt about things like your parents don't do or do do or like you have like a weird so this was like a weird like Phase I had where I was like, "Oh shit!" Like, I haven't been baptized, uh and I like asked my grandmother about it because we would occasionally go to ch- we would go to church together, like a Lutheran church in like Phoenix, Arizona. And I was like, oh, "I haven't been baptized. Like, does that mean is that bad? Like, I should get like baptized, right?" And she's like, "No, you've been baptized." And I was like, "No, I haven't been baptized." And she said, "Well, yeah, you were baptized because like I baptized you in the sink when you were a baby." And I was like, and I said, like, I don't think that, like, counts. And she's, I don't remember what she said, but she was basically like, why shouldn't it count? Like, God was there. (laughs) She's right.
1: It does count.
0: Yeah. So I don't know what else I want to say about it, except that, uh, so that was the way she was. And I just wanted to say for everyone who've been, like, following along on this podcast journey that, uh, I'm really proud of my grandmother, and I'm proud for so many reasons, and I don't know, if there's anything, like, good about me, she deserves a lot of the credit for that, and a lot of people of her generation and of her faith have fallen into, like, fear and hatred of the other, and... And she utterly rejected that. Like I said, she was not an ostentatious person about her faith or really anything. She was quite introverted and quite uh, soft-spoken. She spoke with deep pride about belonging to a church that accepted all people, just offhandedly. She was not a proselytizing or deeply political person, but yeah, she had no use for hatred or bigotry. Uh, She volunteered in her community. She worked at the polls every year until, like, like for all of my childhood as an election worker because she believed in democracy (laughs) Uh, and just, I I don't know what the equivalent of like posting about it would be but just like not posting about it like just like living her faith and what she believed and the way she treated people and she was a christmas person and she believed deeply in the sign uh unto us of peace on earth and goodwill to all And yeah, that to me is what Christmas is all about.
1: So we're not going to end on a joke, obviously. But I think last week's advent calendar was sort of sent out to everyone who feels like a Christmas misfit, who feels a deep sense of Christmas alienation. And so I guess today we can dedicate this to Janice Fisher herself, who we both miss and love. And to people who are celebrating the birth of their Savior this time of year. You know, I, I hope that that is something that's bringing you all that sort of quiet, peaceful joy and certainty that, you know, God will provide. I think that's just as important to acknowledge as any other experience of Christmas. As the, you know, the folks like Grandma Janice who entered this time of year with... Joy and anticipation, awaiting the coming of a light in the darkness. And also, as is clearly the case in our family, we wish peace and healing to the millions of Americans for whom this is a spirit of grief. I think that is the case this year in ways that it very rarely has been in the past. I think. There have been very few public opportunities to acknowledge the the fact that in 2020 not only are we all stuck in our houses or stuck in situations where we're made actively unsafe by our employers, but we are awash in death this year as a nation, as a world, but especially as a nation. So if this is the first holiday you're celebrating without someone, you know, we see you and we love you and us too. So we're going to do this again next week. It might be again, varying degrees of extremely funny and extremely sad. 2020 is really funny and really sad. (laughs) And I think that's sort of what we have to offer. So
0: running out of toilet paper was really funny in a lot of ways. It was
1: pretty funny. Merry Christmas. If that's what you're doing, happy Hanukkah. Uh, now
0: if, we, if no, we get this Thursday oh yeah I guess yeah. when this comes out it'll be Hanukkah
1: happy Hanukkah I th- hopefully this is coming out after the st- like just after the first day of Hanukkah and happy everything else that you might be celebrating and if you're not celebrating anything because just like fuck December and the <laughs> darkness and the year and honestly the whole fucking world then you know solidarity to that too. We'll talk to you all soon and we love you.
0: Feliz Navidad, Um. amigos.